Our second lesson comes from the Gospel according to John. I'm reading in the first chapter, beginning with the ninth verse. We listen for God's Word. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. When we read the word of the Lord in worship, we have become quite accustomed to that little litany. The reader says, this is the word of the Lord, and the people say, thanks be to God. In fact, we may become so accustomed to it that we just may miss what's happening and what is being read and what is being said. Once in another setting, after I had finished reading the scriptures, I paused, aware that there was some strange sound issues going on, and instead of saying, This is the word of the Lord at the end of the reading of scriptures. I said, I think my microphone is messed up. And the people said, thanks be to God. (laughs) Sometimes the litany, the liturgy doesn't work too well for us. But we have that short litany when we read Holy Scripture. Because we believe that when we read and what we read here is holy, and we believe it's important, and we believe it is the Word of God, and it's for our lives, our very lives this day. And today, as we begin 2015, we have this reading of Holy Scripture, and I think it may simply be one of the best summaries of what we might say is the Word of the Lord. Here in these short verses, we have the great news of the gospel. So on this first Sunday of 2015, I want to unpack these verses just a bit from John 1 in hopes that the great news of the gospel might actually be heard today, might actually shape our living for the coming year. In fact, may actually shape our lives as we seek to follow and worship and serve Jesus Christ. Our passage begins in verse 9. It says, The true light that enlightens everyone was coming into the world. Where in your life today do you not need some light? Who do you know, in fact, that does not need a little bit more light for the living of these days because the shadows creep in and the darkness gets real and heavy and it can become overwhelming for us. Where do you need light? Who 
do you know that needs more light? The verse says, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. That's not just some light, but the true light. The Word of God. And the Word of God that it's talking about has already been mentioned in the preceding verses, spoken about in this very gospel. The light, John is saying. The true light. The true light that enlightens everyone. That's what's coming into the world. And then notice the verb here. The verb is enlightens. It's present tense. The light comes to enlighten every human being. The light comes to enlighten every one. The light comes and it's God's very purpose to pour light upon our lives. To pour light upon the world. To pour light on every situation and enlighten. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. That's what it says. This is the good news that we need to hear. I think today, today, about families in our midst who've recently buried loved ones. I think about the Nagis. I think about the Mucklows. I think about Kathy McDaniel. I think about the family and friends of Claudia Emerson. I think about others. Needing light. I think about those who are struggling today. Mary Nelson Myers is in the hospital and coming home today for hospice care. I think about Molly Carpenter, who's ready, very ready, to move on to God's full presence. I think about others who we can name, who know a little bit too much about darkness and heartache and shadow. The true light that enlightens everyone was coming into the world. We know we all need this. This light that comes. This is the good news. And then the passage shifts here from good news to bad news, actually. The light was coming into the world. The light to lighten everyone. But, quote, the world did not know him. The next sentence, verse 11, actually elaborates on this even more. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. I'm guessing that most of us feel pretty confident about figuring things out. We're smart, we're adept, we're sophisticated, we're aware, we're alert. So if we're in the darkness, it's pretty easy to see the light, we think. If we're in a bad place particularly and good comes knocking or light comes shining, we think we're not going to miss it, right? But the text doesn't say no one knew him and doesn't say everyone missed him. This light that comes to enlighten everyone, the text says the world didn't know him. The world did not know him. Who's going to miss the true light that enlightens everyone? I think this means that those people, those persons who are so caught up in the world, so caught up in the world, they didn't know him. Those persons who are so taken with the world, with worldly things, they did not know him. This is the bad news of this little text. Here's what I think. The world has a way of distorting us. 
The world has a way of covering up our ability to see the light. The world has a way of luring us in other directions away from the light. Maybe leaving our backs turned toward the light that is coming to everyone. Such that we don't see it. We don't see the true light that enlightens everyone. Where are we most caught up in the world? Where are we most caught up in worldly things that we miss the light that comes to enlighten everyone? Where is it? Maybe it has to do with whom we trust. Do we trust mostly ourselves and what I can accomplish? Do we trust mostly my own selfish pursuits, our savings account? Maybe it's our security alarm. Maybe it's our personal successes and gains. Is that what we trust? That may indict us in being mostly caught up in the world. Or do we actually trust God? With our very lives. Maybe it has to do with our priorities. Maybe it has to do with all the plans that we're making for 2015. Are they about our own attainments? Our own achievements? Or are they about the purposes and the plans that God might have for you? For me? For us together? Are they about receiving more blessing? Are they about being a blessing in the world? Because that's what God calls us to be about. Are we building mostly our own legacy that makes us look good? Are we building a legacy of loving and serving and doing justice and sharing kindness? What will our legacy be? All of this may reflect, are we people of light? Or are we people of the world who miss the light? The news is good. The light comes to enlighten everyone. The bad news is bad. Some people are so taken with the world that they miss the light. And then there's the glad news. The really glad news in this short passage. It says, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. What a fantastic line of Scripture. In fact, I want to say the word of the Lord. To all who received Him, who believed in His name, He gave power to become children of God. Fantastic. It's fantastic. What do you have to do to move from darkness to the light? What do you need to be enlightened To be those who know him and accept him? Well, verse 12 says it pretty well. To those who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave power to become children of God. I love the way Bible scholar and theologian and very gentle and generous teacher Dale Bruner writes about this particular verse. He says, but to all who receive him, that is really bidding us just Just welcome him. Just welcome him. That's what Bruner says. Just welcome him and he will work the believing in you. Just welcome him and he will work everything else in you as well when you make the simple decision to believe and to live in him believingly the rest of your life. 
It's about an ongoing, breathing, living, continuing, personal relationship. Welcome Him. Cherish Him. Live your life with Him. That's what we're seeking to be about here. In a sense, it's not about doing certain things. It's not about saying certain things the right way, which is how we often think about belief. It's not about climbing a ladder in pursuit of God so that we are worthy of being children of God. It is about just welcoming Him. Welcoming Him and seeking to live life with this God who comes near to us in Jesus, the true light that enlightens everyone. I also like the way Marcus Borg speaks about the word believe. Bohr confirms that the word believe has gotten so complicated and so misconstrued by many of us, especially Christians. Is it about knowledge? Is it about facts? Is it about some list of doctrines? Borg reminds us that the word believe comes from the old English word belof, which means to hold dear. Hence, to receive and to Believe has nothing to do with a set of statements about what's true or about certain mental assents. It means to hold dear, to open our hearts to Jesus, the true light. Open our hearts to the true light. When we open our hearts, when we receive Him, when we seek to enfold our lives in God's life, then we have power to become children of God. And this doesn't happen because we will it. It doesn't happen because we were born a certain way or a certain people. It doesn't happen because of anything except God's gracious love and God's abiding presence and God's wonderful coming in Jesus. We're invited to welcome Him. Just welcome Him and hold Him dear. Open our hearts and orient our lives to Him. That's what we're invited to do. And then we become children of God. That's the glad news, the really glad news. And then there's the great news that comes right after that. It says the word became flesh and lived among us. We have seen his glory full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ, no one has ever seen God. This is God's son who is close to the father's heart, who has made him known. That's the great news. The really great news, in just a few words, right there, we get the depiction of the most magnificent truth. The pre-existent, the divine, the all-creating, the gracious Lord of the cosmos and the Lord of history became in the very center of history. Dirty, flesh, and lived among us. The great, magnificent news of the gospel. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is the fundamental claim of Christian faith. The God of the universe becomes a measurable point. Piercing our time, piercing our space. The Almighty, a baby. The Ancient of Days, the Nowadays. The divine, human. The eternal, temporal. The immortal, mortal. The infinite, finite. 
we have seen God's glory full of grace and truth. The great news of the gospel. Perhaps you've been to Trafalgar Square in London. Trafalgar Square is a major landmark in a major city of the world. In the middle of that square, there is a high tower, a very high pinnacle tower that has a statue on the top. The statue is Lord Admiral Nelson on the pinnacle. The only problem with the monument was that its pinnacle's hero... Lord Nelson was so high that viewers below could not see what this honored hero looked like. So about 50 years ago, an exact six-foot replica of Lord Nelson atop the monument was placed at eye level to give sightseers in Trafalgar Square the close-up of this figure. Maybe that is an illustration of what God did for the human race when he gave us Jesus, the true light that enlightens everyone. To all who received him, he gave power to become children of God. The word became flesh and lived among us. We have seen God's glory full of grace and truth. And when we welcome him, cherish him, entrust our lives to Him, enfold our lives in His life, live as His people, love as He loved, forgive as He forgave, serve as He served, really, really cherish Him, then we have life and life in abundance. No matter where you find yourself today, no matter what you're dealing with or looking to, or wondering about, no matter the losses or heartaches or fears, this is the great news. The great news of the gospel. The Word became flesh and lived among us. This is where we align our lives. This is what we seek to cherish. This is what we seek to be about in the new year. This is what we always want to do. Worship and follow, serve and work for Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, to turn from you is to fall. To turn to you is to rise. To see you, to worship you, to serve you. That is to abide forever. Bless us in that way. Amen.